Let's all worship the Lord together as we join together in the singing of the paraphrase two, O God of Bethel, by whose hand thy people still are fed. Rise to sing. Let's read together the Psalm 45. This is a messianic psalm. It leads us to Christ. So look for the Lord here as we read the Scriptures together and see Him in the wonder of His glory and His kingship and bringing us, you and I, unto Himself. How beautiful we are to the Lord. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory 
and thy majesty. And in thy majesty, ride prosperously, prosperously, because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of mare and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Cain's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thy him. Let's bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Gracious God, we come to, to do just what we've been reading about, to, to worship him, the one of whom we have been reading, the one who is the king, exalted far above all, the one who is full of majesty and beauty. We can say he is the altogether lovely one. No beauty that we should desire him in our unconverted estate. But now that we have seen from the inside, from the believing heart, we thank thee for the wealth of beauty that we find in Christ. And we can rejoice in that today. We thank you that you have brought us unto yourself and you have chosen us from the foundation of the world we praise thee today for the standing that we have in the Lord Jesus. We have put on his righteousness. We have been washed in his blood. You have perfected us in the gospel of Christ. And we belong to thee, united to Christ for eternity. We thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even though the storms come, and the testing times rise in our lives, and there be many as we traverse this pilgrimage in an old world that has fallen in sin. But we thank you that you're still the same God, and you're steadfast, and you're faithful to your people. And in the midst of all our trials and difficulties, the Lord is there to bring us through in victory. We pray for the sake of the church those that have been in hospital, those that have had procedures done, those that are battling with disease. Lord, we commend them to your grace today. We pray that they will know your touch just where they are. We know that Christ is the great physician. He was in this world. He went about doing good. And much of what he did was regarding the sick, and Lord, you touched the sick in your day and you, you brought restoration of health. You've told us in the New Testament to pray for one another that we might be healed. And Lord, we do pray that for those that are sick at this time. We remember those that are sorrowing. And Lord, the, the hand of death has, has touched this congregation in recent days. But we pray that you will be 
with those that are sad today because loved ones have been taken. Speak to us all in these circumstances. Teach us all to number our days and to apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us how frail we really are and how short our time is. And help us to remember the gospel work appointed to us. We pray that we will go into the world and preach the gospel, that you will bless our Jerusalem here in Balamone, that you will remember us for good in every aspect of the work, whether it's with the children or the youth or here on the Sabbath day at prayer meetings too. Visit us, Lord, with your presence, with the spirit of revival. Lord, we need revival. Stir our hearts, give us the Holy Spirit even for this hour of worship. The Bible speaks about worshiping God in spirit, and we pray that the Holy Ghost will be manifest in His presence just now in this meeting, filling and flooding our hearts, giving us the right thoughts, giving us the right attitudes, giving us the right frame of mind and heart that we might approach unto God, that we might sing with joy and with meaning, that we might read your word and listen to it today intently with a prayer in our hearts, speak to me. Let not one leave without hearing the voice of God in some way this very day. Bless our coming together tonight again, family night. Think of Charlotte as she comes to sing. Pray for the ministry of your word. We pray for the drawing in of the unconverted from this town and district. Lord, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring wandering ones to Jesus. Remember the recording tomorrow night. Uh, for let the Bible speak. We pray for your presence there. We pray that all things will come together and God will be glorified. And as we enter upon another week of service and all things that will be done, Lord, may it be done unto your glory. And may Christ be exalted as a result. Remember the land of Israel with all its woe, with all its suffering, with all its war. Lord, we pray that our God who sits upon the throne of glory will overrule for the good of his ancient people and for his own divine glory. Remember the situation in Ukraine also. We pray for the cessation of the war. We ask thee, Lord, that even so come, Lord Jesus, that you will <clears throat> return again in power and glory and bring peace to this warring earth for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm pressing on the upward way, 418. New heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bind, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground.
be seated. And all the coughing and spluttering, we're glad to, to see you here. I know the cold and that is going around and many have succumbed to it, but let me welcome you to God's house today in the Savior's name. Let me welcome those that are tuning in on the internet, wherever you are. We welcome you in the great name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Being the first uh, Sunday of the month, it's family night tonight, and we want to remember in prayer, especially this meeting, pray that people will come in. Uh, Charlotte Cahey from Porto Bogie will be here to sing. I'll be preaching. I have a different message to bring this morning, so uh, it fits in quite well to come to Mark tonight, Mark's meditations. Uh, it's a good gospel address, uh, so pray that the Lord's blessing will attend the service. And ladies, if you can bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, talk a wee bit on Thursday night about going a little farther for God and all the things that we can do, little aspects of Christian service, uh, not always to the fore, as we shall see today, but sometimes just there serving the Lord in the background. There's a special youth meeting at a quarter to nine tonight for those young people that would like to attend. It's in Coleraine, uh, Free Church. The Reverend Raymond Morrow will speak. Jonathan Mitchell will sing. And young people, you're invited to that service. Tomorrow night is the Let the Bible Speak recordings, uh, or it will be in the plural, 
uh, tomorrow night, and that's in Lurgan. We have said this is the last one uh, because they will be moving premises to Ahako in the very near future, the, the last one for us, and we need to supply a congregation. My understanding is that I'll be there early to preach to Timothy Timber and Mr. and Mrs. Woods. I don't think there's going to be a congregation for my preaching. Uh, so you don't have to come and listen to your pastor tomorrow night. But there's two other meetings. I think I'm leading those, and there's two different preachers. And you've been asked to, to come and be part of the congregation. We have over 20 names we, we want to try and get it up a wee bit more. Um, Jonathan, where are you? Uh, we need to get it up till maybe 30 or more. Is that right? If it's possible. So the list is at the door. Please, please do come tomorrow night. And leaving at what time? 6.30, is that right? The bus is leaving at 6 o'clock. Okay. Thank you. We are very much involved in the school's ministry these days, and we want you to pray for the opportunities that God is giving to us. Castle Row Primary School is on Tuesday morning, and Friday morning we're going to Kilmoyle uh, Primary School to take the assembly there again. So be in prayer. We're, we're trying, and we'll just see how it comes together, but we're trying to bring uh, the schools in for a special schools uh, carol service where the children will take part and a message will be brought to them. And if we can get enough schools interested, we're going to go ahead with this. So it's out there with them, and there's been good feedback so far. And uh, there's one of the schools actually contacted us to see if they could come to our church for their final uh, school's assembly of the year on the 21st of December, and uh, we're happy to do that. We either go to them or they can come to us, and they will invite not only the children, there's almost 400 children at the school, but they will invite the parents to come. And again, this is an opportunity to preach the gospel to uh, those that don't normally come uh, to the church here. So let's be in prayer. Tuesday morning, could I say to our seniors, um, we, we have missed having these times together <coughs> for one reason or another, but we're, we're going to proceed as far as it's possible twice a month, uh, this month and also in December. So Senior Fellowship, 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Wednesday night, there's a school event. There's a table quiz. It's a fundraiser organized by our school and that's at 8 o'clock here in the church hall. So if you can come and support that, they'd really appreciate your help. Thursday is the midweek at 8 o'clock, and we will be thinking about our youth ministry. We have assigned certain things to pray for each Thursday night, and we come to think of our young people, our youth fellowship, and Bible class particularly. Friday night is youth fellowship. Greg uh, Gibson is the speaker Guard Your Eyes is the subject, and if you've seen this advert, it's been shared, share it on, invite other young people to come and be there yourself. Saturday is a work team here at the church uh, starting in the morning. I'm not too sure what the start time is, probably nine o'clock, 
but if that's different, please let me know. Next Lord's Day, early morning prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class, quarter to 11. <coughs> Pilgrim's prob Problems is the theme this month, and the subject next Sunday morning is dealing with doubt. And in the place of Phil, Mervyn will be here. He is away. He's in the United States of America for a week, but he'll be back and he'll, he'll be speaking on that next subject. Worship service, 12 noon. Uh, we will be thinking about the qualifications for the eldership over the next couple of weeks, and there'll be a general message this morning. Then the remembrance service and wreath-laying ceremony, 7 o'clock next Sunday night. And ladies, please note this announcement, three quarters of a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen and a half buns. <coughs> we have this for you to share on WhatsApp, Facebook, whatever you're on, and invite others to come uh, to the meeting next Sunday night. We've mentioned anyone seeking church membership to see me as soon as possible. We've mentioned the election of the elders on Monday the 20th of November at 8 o'clock, and there's the list of community members eligible to vote. It's been posted on the church notice board and those men that are eligible to be voted for. Also, we are asking you, please check the lists. <coughs> Pardon me. Brother Phil Moffat has a very, very significant birthday today. All right. Now, I'm going to let you guess if he's older or younger than me. All right. I'm 62. Don't look like it, but I'm 62. And he's reached one of the significant numbers. So he's either younger or way up there older. You look at him, you say he's much older than the pastor, but um, now I'll tell you, he's younger than me. And he's, he's got to six decades. Uh, put it that way, six maybe doesn't sound as much as 60. But Phil, congratulations. The Lord bless you. And we trust that this will be a good day for you as you rejoice in the mercies of God. We pray for the sick of the church. Uh, Margaret is improving, so please keep her in prayer. James as well. Uh, he's at home. He's stable. Remember him before the throne of grace in prayer. And the others here that we remember faithfully, Dr. Frank McClelland, Dr. Bill Woods, have to say that Bill has been in hospital, hasn't been well uh, initially with COVID, and um, even now he has difficulty um, with breathing and swallowing, and it's just difficult. Remember God's servant. We, we love him very much. He's been very much part of North Antrim from his earliest days, preaching around uh, mission halls and churches in this area, and then going out over 60 years ago as a missionary to the land of Brazil. He's known much in this congregation and beloved. So remember Bill, uh, particularly at the throne of grace. We continue to remember countries that are stricken by war, not least Ukraine and all that's still happening there. And the continued war in Israel, we want to be in prayer in these days very much for these countries. We bring our tithes and offerings in. Let the Bible speak envelopes and the missionary covenant support is due today. 
And as we give to the Lord, we sing 510. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me, thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be. This hymn, as you know, is all about being a channel. Uh, we want God to flow through us, that we might be a channel of blessing to others. And we praise the Lord today because, number one, He is the precious Savior, and His love has laid hold of us. If you're saved, you'll know that, you've sensed it, you've experienced it, and He has saved, and He has cleansed you. And praise God, He has filled you too, so that you might be that channel of blessing. So let's think of the words, let's apply them to our own hearts and lives and be that channel of blessing in our day.
Our Bible reading is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. As you turn to this chapter in God's Word, could I ask you to remember Matt and Isabel Payton? We have called him Patton for months, but his name is pronounced Payton. It's just one T in his name. And they have now left Scotland. They have arrived in Northern Ireland and officially they are moving tomorrow to Balamoney. So remember them as they come here and as they come to settle with us here in Hebron, that the Lord will be with them and help them to settle in very quickly and be very much part of church life. I'm going to read just a few verses from the 12th verse through to verse 16. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Ending a reading at verse 16. That's how we were to prayer. <coughs> Lord, as we come to your word and the message, just quieten our hearts before the presence of God. Help us to hear. Help us to receive. Help us to apply your word. Give the preacher the strength that he needs physically, spiritually. Spirit of God, come and fill this weak earthen vessel with your power and with the needed grace to bring the message today. Give me utterances in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may the power of God be here to apply it to the hearts of all. For Jesus' sake, amen. I want to, to speak on the subject of church leadership, and this is going to be a, a general message. We're having an election of elders just in a few weeks' time. But I want to bring this general message in the church of Jesus Christ there are those who are appointed or who are involved in leadership positions. They carry certain responsibilities. They are, we could say, prominent members in the church, and they are in the public gaze very often. It goes without saying that the highest possible standard of Christian living and godliness is therefore expected in them. If someone is to the fore, giving any kind of guidance, responsible for the duties in God's work, then such people should have high virtues and qualities fitting to that role. So we think of ministers, we think of elders, we think of deacons, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers, children's workers, outreach workers, those involved in any public ministry, all those involved should have 
a good testimony. I'm sure you'll agree with that. And they should be examples of what a Christian ought to be. It goes without saying that every Christian should live a godly, upright, Christ-like life before our fellow men in this world. The general marks of the, the Christian set forth in the Bible should therefore be found in everyone who knows Christ as Savior. We think of the Lord's words when he said, by their fruits ye shall know them. So there will be a fruit bearing to know what is genuine and what is false. There, there will be that evidence. There will be that fruit in our lives. When the seed was sown by the sower, it fell into four different kinds of ground. And only one was genuine, representing the genuine believer. And fruit was born. You remember that? Now, some of that fruit was hundredfold. Some was sixtyfold. Some was thirtyfold. Just reminding us that even in the genuine, there are different levels of bearing fruit. Some are more fruitful than others. The fruit of the Spirit should be found in every Christian. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All those qualities should be, to a greater or lesser degree, be found in the life of every Christian. And even young people, uh, they're not excluded if the young person is a Christian. They ought to be fruitful. They ought to be examples. There's that very special text that Paul wrote for you as he wrote to Timothy when he exhorted young people to be examples of the believer. And he mentioned six things particularly in word, in conversation, the word there's behavior, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So young people, you are to live the Christian life and you are to walk with God in a way that's pleasing to Him. So what I'm saying is very uh, simple. It is this. If all believers are to have a godly walk with the Lord, showing by example what a true Christian is, manifesting the fruits of salvation in their lives, living according to the standards of this book, then it follows that this should be even more so in the lives of those who are leaders in the work. As we think about what leaders ought to be, especially in the two offices of the church, uh, the eldership and the committee, remind ourselves that this ought to be so in us all. So what I preach today, what I preach next week, the following week, let's remember every Christian should be living this way. Now, some thought should be given to the, the 12 disciples chosen originally by the Lord. These men who would accompany the Savior through the duration of His earthly ministry, they would learn from Him during that time. They would assist Him in the work, and then they would carry on the ministry. They would carry on the, the gospel work, the preaching of the gospel after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Now, there are no apostles today. Just let me make that, that clear. There were apostles in the time of Jesus. 
They were specially chosen by him. They were given special gifts, but there are no apostles in that sense today. With the setting up of the New Testament church and its development through the Acts of the Apostles and the teachings of the Apostle Paul in the pastoral epistles, we come to see that the church of Jesus Christ is a Presbyterian church. By that I mean it's a church that is governed by elders. The Bible speaks about the presbytery. The Bible speaks about the elder. And just for your information, the, the Greek word for elder is presbyteros. So you can see presbytery there. You can see the, that an elder is a presbyter. He is one that governs the church. We have two offices. We will come to, to that passage of Scripture, particularly uh, looking at the eldership, because that's what we're about these days. But we have the qualifications for the elder and the qualifications for the deacon very clearly spelt out in God's Word. Now, I thought it might be profitable to look at, at leadership in general and to ponder the twelve apostles whom the Lord had around him in these New Testament times. There's something that I should point out in my introduction. They were godly men, but they were not perfect men. There's no such thing as sinless perfection while we live upon this earth. That will come. And when it comes, I want you to know you'll be dead. You'll be in the church that is glorified in heaven where the Lord will make all things new. There's no perfection now. But they were godly men. We certainly, all of us, want to be as perfect as it is possible to be this side of eternity, and we should strive towards it. The Bible exhorts us to strive towards perfection, to be more holy, to be more flawless, to be more Christ-like, to be more conformed, as the Bible says, to the image of our dear Savior. It ought to be our aspiration. And this really is the work of sanctification, whereby we are enabled to die more and more to self and the things of this life and the things of the world, and we live more and more unto Christ and His great glory. However, we will never be perfect until that great day. So just keep that in mind. Now, despite the imperfections of these men, they were men of God, undoubtedly examples of what we should be. They were chosen by the Lord after a night of prayer. Isn't that interesting? We have come to this passage here in Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 12 again. came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Oh, you see the Savior here entering into an all-night time of prayer before he chooses these men to be his close followers as his disciples. As I thought about the kind of men that we need <clears throat> on our eldership, there were certain qualities that, that came to my mind. We certainly need men of purity that live holy lives. We need men of humility that walk with God in a humble way. 
We need men of sincerity, that they are sincere in the work that they do as they serve the Lord. We want men of fervency who have an earnest spirit about the work of God, who enter in upon the work that God has called them to with real energy. We want men of loyalty that are loyal to Christ, loyal to his word, loyal to his house, loyal to his people, and men of consistency. And I want to look at the first four apostles in this list. And really, I say it's it's a general message. Really, what I want to do is to, to ponder the information given to us in the New Testament about these men and and then learn from them. We will discover what we should all be, all of us, but especially what leaders should be. May the Spirit be here to apply the Word and teach us what we need to know even in the closing minutes of our service. So Peter is the first to be mentioned here in the list. (coughs) I want you to turn just for a moment to Matthew 4, and we'll come back to this probably each time. Just some things. We're going to list these things and and maybe make a comment, and I trust that you'll think about these things and develop them in your own mind and heart as you are praying before the Lord in these days, and you're seeking out men to represent this congregation as elders. But we see that Peter was called to be a fisher of men. And I think that's important. Here in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he he saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, and straightway they left their nets and followed him. I just want to point out, brethren and sisters, that souls were important to Jesus Christ. And if that is so, they ought to be important to you and I. There is no greater work as Christians in this world than gospel work. Think of the whole purpose of Christ coming into the world. What was that to do? To gather people to himself. To bring sinners to glory. To save men from sin and destruction. Bring them to heaven. And souls were important to the Lord. And you, you can't study the New Testament and, and look at the life of Christ without seeing that to be so evident. The burden that the Lord had the compassion that he felt, the tears that he shed, all the sermons that he preached as he called men unto himself. And right here at the beginning of his ministry, as he's calling disciples together to be followers of him, to be workers, he is telling Peter that he's called them to be a fisher of men. Peter, you've labored in the sea You have been catching the fish off the sea. That's been an important task for you to provide for your family. But I'm calling you to a greater work. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to cast the gospel net into the seas of this world, and you're going to bring spiritual fish onto me. 
And we want elders in this congregation who have a love and a passion in their heart for this great work, fishers of men. This church will have a priority, and that will be to reach out to the souls of men and to gather them for Christ. He was called to be a fisher of men. Another thing that he did, he confessed Christ. There were two particular occasions. I will mention one of them. We're staying with Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, and it is verse 16. You remember this confession of Peter when the Lord had, had asked the question, first of all, who do men say that I am? And there was a variety of answers. And then he makes the very personal question to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And as Peter he steps forward and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a confession. And again, if I can just make a, a moment application to you, we want elders in the church who know who Christ is that there's no, nothing cast upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by them in any way, and I know that that will not be so in this church. Men who can declare what Peter declared, he is the Messiah. He is the promised one of God, promised from ancient times to be the Redeemer, to be the Mediator, to be all that God said he would be in coming into the world. And as he comes into the world, it is God manifested in human flesh. We will ever preserve the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look for elders of that caliber who confess Christ and are unashamed to confess him and to own him as to his person. Furthermore, Peter forsook everything to follow the Lord. And in Matthew 19, and verse 27, Peter says here how that he had left everything. Verse 27, <clears throat> we have forsaken all and followed thee. He declares this. We know that it's true. We know that he left in obedience to Christ, his nets behind. There was a time that he returned to it later on to obviously provide for his family, but he was prepared to leave everything for the sake of Christ. And if you can again get some kind of application, don't you want men in leadership in this church who are prepared to be men of sacrifice? And we'll come just to say something more about that later on, who are prepared to leave everything, that they're, they're number one Service in this world will be to serve Christ, to serve Him in the church, to serve Him as an elder. He was brought to the garden. He viewed Christ in His agony. These are just little points that we're, we're picking out in the life of Peter. We come to chapter 26 and verses 37 and 38. Jesus here at Gethsemane takes with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, that's these three men, but Peter's name is particularly mentioned, 
My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Peter saw the Lord in his agony in Gethsemane. We know how dark and how deep that time was for the Savior. When Dr. Luke talks about him sweating, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Oh, they went on to, to fall asleep, we know that. But Peter did see the Lord in his agony. And when he was writing his first epistle, he says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. A witness of his sufferings in Gethsemane. And we believe somewhere in the crowd that day, maybe not just as near as John was to the cross, beneath the cross, but Peter was there. He was at Calvary, and he watched Jesus die. A witness of Christ's sufferings. And I want to make the, the application here that you never want to lose sight of the sufferings of Christ. None of you as Christians. The cross always before us. The agony of the dying Savior always before us. And as elders in this church, that that will be dominant in our lives and that we will be witnesses of his sufferings, that we will dwell often upon what Jesus has done because that's going to be the greatest motivation for us to serve the Lord. Can I make the simple point? He was at the prayer meeting. You come now to the Acts of the Apostles. And the chapter 1, and we have here the prayer meeting that preceded Pentecost. 120 people all together gathered in this prayer meeting. Well, verse 13 tells us that the men of God were there. Peter is first to be mentioned at the prayer meeting. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and so on. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And we know 120 all together. But Peter is there at the prayer meeting. It seems pretty, pretty basic, doesn't it? We know that every Christian ought to be at the prayer meeting. Unless there's something that, that really takes you away that's of utmost importance. And I, I say to people, and I, I encourage people to come to the prayer meeting, but I don't make it a demand. I believe that demand is really from the Lord, and you need to sense that in your heart before the Lord. But I do say from time to time that your absence from the prayer meeting is fine with me if it's fine with Christ. And if you can present an excuse to the Lord why you're not at prayer meetings in the church, and the Lord accepts that, that's fine with me. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to stand before the Lord and you will give an account of how you've lived before the Lord. Christians ought to be at the prayer meeting. Elders, deacons likewise, should be at the prayer meeting. And here in Acts chapter 1, before the mighty manifestation of the Spirit of God, the leadership of the church were there. Let's remember the Lord has said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Now, this house is a house of preaching as well. But it's interesting that God says, my house will be called the house of prayer. 
And if God has called his house the house of prayer, then believers ought to be where God wants them to be, in the house of prayer, where prayer is offered, where prayer is made collectively. Furthermore, he preached Christ. You go on to read about the Spirit of God coming, chapter 2, verse 14 onwards, is the great sermon of Peter. The apostles are witnessing this day to all who have come to Jerusalem, but Peter, amidst them all, stands up filled with the Spirit of God, and he preaches the great sermon that is recorded in Acts chapter 2 that centers upon Christ, Christ in his cross work and Christ in his glorious resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. We want elders who will ever seek to preach Christ. If it's not publicly in the prayer meeting, they must lend their support to the preaching of Christ and do all that they can to make sure that Christ is preached. We know that there are churches today where the Savior is not preached and the great doctrines of the gospel are not presented. But we want elders who will ever preserve the preaching of Jesus Christ in our churches, men that will present Christ as he's freely offered in the gospel. We are his witnesses. We know that. You go on to read in chapter 4 and verse 8 that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people, and he begins to make witness again of the Savior. From the moment of conversion, all of us, without exception, have the indwelling Spirit. If you haven't got the Holy Ghost, simply, you're not saved. You're not saved. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in the heart of the true Christian. And there's not only the indwelling Spirit, but there is the infilling of the Spirit. And we need to be filled, just like Peter was filled, filled in the day of Pentecost, filled here again in chapter 4 to make another witness for the Lord, and filled in subsequent times. We want godly elders that are filled with the Spirit, that are moved by the Spirit, that are prompted by the Spirit, that whenever you go into their presence, you'll know here are men that are full of the Holy Ghost, when you come into a prayer meeting and you listen to them pray, you sense these are men full of the Holy Ghost. Want to be like that? I think we can learn that from Peter. He was also steadfast for Christ in chapter 5 of the Acts of the Apostles. And, and verse 29, Peter and the other apostles, but Peter's name again is mentioned here. Peter answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That word ought here is must. We must obey God. He was arrested in this chapter. He, he was threatened. He was even beaten. But here's the attitude of Peter. We've got to obey God rather than man. Is not what we desire in our elders Men that obey God, come with me. He was a man of prayer. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 9, we read about Peter going to the place of prayer. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray. And it was the sixth hour. We have seen him in the public prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 1, now we see him getting along with God. 
as we look out for elders in the church, we want to be confident that we are choosing men of prayer, men that we know that not only come to the prayer meeting, but men who know God at home, who get alone with God at home. And although we don't see them, I think we can sense those that are men of God who come to the throne of grace in their own secret and, and private times. And he loved the Lord. Just to make that final little point about Peter, you come to the Gospel of John and the, the chapter 21 and verse 15 to 17. After his three denials, you remember how the Lord in the days of the resurrection called Peter apart and asked him three times about his love for Christ. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And Peter could answer with a heart that was true, Lord, you know that I love thee. And we want men that love the Lord. And there's no question whatsoever, even if men have failed like Peter failed, but we want to know that men really love the Lord that we're putting into office in this church. So Peter is the first man. Time is, is pressing on. Maybe just very quickly to mention Andrew. So little is recorded about Andrew in the Scripture. He's the behind-the-scenes man, really. And some leaders are not as prominent as, as others. They're not as to the fore as others. We see that already in our own elders and elders in other churches. But there are things to learn from Andrew. He, he responded immediately when the Lord called them. You go back to Matthew chapter 4. Peter and Andrew, when the Lord called them, were told that immediately, immediately, they left what they were doing to follow the Lord. Learn from that. He was a soul winner. And in John chapter 1, you remember, he finds the Lord and he makes it his business to go and find his brother, Peter. Andrew was a, a personal worker. <coughs> I, I, I can't think of any occasion. In fact, there's none where we read about his name being linked to standing up and preaching some great sermon. But he preached a great sermon privately, didn't he, to his brother. We found the Messiah, and he, and he brought, we're told that he brought Peter to Christ. And you couldn't do any better than that. And we want elders in this church that bring others to Christ, that will bring their family to the Lord, that will bring others to a saving knowledge of the Lord, that will be soul winners. We've mentioned how that he was a background disciple, just willing to be used where he could be used. And in those few places, and they are few, where we read about Andrew, we, we read about him in the feeding of the 5,000 in, in John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. He was the one that knew about the little boy. He was the one that brought this young fella to Christ. Oh, there's a lad here, and he's got five loaves, and he's got two fishes. Maybe this could be used, and the Lord used it, and prayed and break it and distribute it to the multitude that day. But Andrew was the instrument in a very simple way just to say there's a boy here that could be used. And he helped the Greeks in their seeking of Christ. Again, it's John that records it in John chapter 12 and verse 21 and 22. Uh, the Greeks come, you remember, with the request, sirs, we, we would see Jesus. They, they come to Philip. Philip didn't go immediately to the Lord, but he consulted Andrew. Maybe Andrew was a wise man, and he goes to Andrew, and he talks to Andrew about this, and 
then the two of them go to the Lord and they, they bring the message, listen, Lord Jesus, there's people here who want to talk to you, want to talk to you. Just there in the background working. And he's known throughout the Scripture as Simon Peter's brother. Sometimes you're only known by your relatives or your brother. But Andrew was happy with that. And he attended the prayer meeting. Acts chapter 1, verse 13. His name's there too. You have Peter. You have Andrew. What about, what about James? Well, again, go back to Matthew 4, 21. Immediate service. When God called him, he left everything to follow the Lord. He was sent to preach the gospel. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 2 uh, records the names of these men that were sent out, and James is one of them. And the Lord told them to go and preach. James became a preacher of the word. Acts 1.13, I don't want to overdo this. He was at the prayer meeting. Mark his name there. And he got, he got near to Christ like, like the, the other men, the two other men and himself, specially chosen by the Lord, Jairus' daughter, the only three that were permitted in to see the resurrection of that young lady, the Mount of Transfiguration. There were only three that were brought up to see Christ in his glory. And also in Gethsemane, in the agony of Gethsemane, where Jesus entered into that time of deep sorrow. Only three disciples saw that. And James was one. And we want elders that, that uh, are elders who get near to Christ. He also paid the ultimate sacrifice. You read in Acts chapter 12 and verse 2, how Herod, in his hatred of Christianity, beheaded James. And I'm not saying that we want elders that are going to be beheaded, but um, all of us as Christians should be prepared to lay down our lives for the Lord if that, need, if that is necessary. And many Christians have. But here's the point. Leaders should be men who declare with the famous missionary C.T. Studd, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. That's the kind of elders I want in this church. That's the kind of elders and ministers we want in all of our churches. Men that are men of sacrifice. Oh, they mightn't be martyred for the faith, but at least they get to the place <clears throat> where Jesus Christ is their all in all. And if there is a sacrifice to be made, and sometimes there is, there are evenings to give up. And over the years, we have, we have sacrificed time that we could have had with our families or could have been doing other things, but, but the duties of the office demanded otherwise. And you want to learn from James, even though you don't become a martyr and have to lay your life down, you want to be a man who's a man of sacrifice. And then just to conclude with John, Matthew 4, 21, again, immediate service, as soon as God called him, ready to go, ready to leave all. We also learn in John chapter 13 and verse 23 that he leaned on Jesus' bosom. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? This beloved disciple at the Last Supper, leaning on the bosom of Christ, hearing the very heartbeat of the Lord, getting as near to Christ as he could. And I think you can learn from that too. Don't you want elders in the church that, that get right up close to the Lord, can even hear the very heartbeat of love that comes from the Savior? And he, he also became uh, one of the disciples 
of love, preeminently so. He's called the beloved disciple, and he learned those lessons of love in the school of Christ as he got up close to the Lord. And I needn't read the passages, but you, you read First John, and he speaks extensively about, about the love that ought to be in the hearts of God's people for one another. First John 2, verses 9 and 10, chapter 3, verse 14 to 18, and chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. Read it for yourself. He refers to Christian love at least 25 times in his epistles. And we want men like that in the church. Men that love the brethren. Men that love the people. Men that have a love for the congregation that is second to none. Men that are at the prayer meeting. He's another man at the prayer meeting. Acts chapter 1 verse 13. Don't miss that either. He received a special revelation from Christ. So you go to the last book of the Bible. You go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. And there he is, suffering for the Lord. He's in banishment on the island of Patmos. But my, the Lord comes, and the Lord reveals himself to the beloved John. And he receives this revelation that is the book of Revelation, seeing Christ, first of all, in all his glory. We're not going to receive, as ministers and elders, such a revelation as this. But we do want men who receive from the Lord in what we can receive as far as revelation and vision from Christ, for Christ himself and for the great work that he's called us to. As we close, please note that there were certain qualities found in all these men. Immediate service, Christ was their focus. Men of prayer and the prayer meeting, Burdened for the souls of men, undoubtedly. They preached Christ. They were filled with the Spirit. They were near to the Savior. They were men of fellowship. They were men of unity. All these qualities were found in these men. And I just say to you, as we finish today, if we can find men of this caliber, caliber to serve the Lord in this congregation as elders, we will not go far wrong. So, look ye out among yourselves for such men. Be in much prayer in these days about this matter and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and to give you guidance and let it be God's direction at this time for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank thee for men that you called way back in these early times, men of God, not perfect, but they loved the Lord. They were men of immediate service. They were godly men, men that were willing to sacrifice, men that were men of prayer, privately and publicly, men who had Christ at their heart and sought to preach Christ in a world that's dying in sin. Oh Lord, we pray that as we come to that time of selecting elders for this church, that we might have direction from the Lord, that you'll put it into our heart, the men that ought to occupy the position of elders in this church, men like Peter and Andrew, James and John. Oh, hear our cry for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Have thine own way, Lord. It's the hymn 482. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Let's stand to sing. is our prayer at the close of our service, have thine own way, have thine own way. In every heart, in every life in this building, some are not saved, Lord, have your way in their life, bring them to Christ. Some are backslidden and cold at heart, restore them, we pray. And your, your dear believers that are here, have your way in our hearts and lives too. Help us to be submitted to your will. And as we come even to our election, have thine own way and direct us with thine eye. Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.